while we're uh, moving down the gears as we uh, go through this wonderful chapter, uh, we're not even going to be considering a full verse this evening. Uh, we're going to be looking at part of verse 4. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. Now we said last time that this, this chapter is not uh, kind of soft, sentimental, nice thoughts that you attach to Christian merchandise. It's not even in a sense a uh, kind of chapter that goes with romantic love or with weddings, although it can be uh, used suitably on these occasions when it's presented in context. It's actually a stinging rebuke given to people who were not exhibiting uh, some of the marks of love. The people at Corinth were characterized by, by envy. Uh, they were jealous of other people's gifts. Uh, they were characterized by uh, selfishness. Uh, they thought only about themselves and their own position in the church. There were factions amongst them. Uh, and so they were exhibiting the very opposite attitudes to which Paul is speaking here. Uh, in the first three verses, as we saw last time, Paul is making the astounding point that we can have the most wonderful spiritual gifts and we can do the most amazing uh, acts of, of, of uh, virtue. We can give all that we have to the poor. Uh, we can become martyrs for the faith. But without love, the sum total is nothing. Love this prophecy, love this theology, love this faith, love this social action is all equally worthless. John Chrysotom, the fourth century preacher, uh, preaching on this passage in Constantinople, said, If I have no love, I'm not just useless, I'm a positive nuisance. It's amazing how uh, utterly essential love is to uh, exhibiting Christian graces. Without love, everything else is, is subverted, ruined, uh, becomes worse than useless. So the passage has a chastening function. Uh, it's not something that uh, we ought to have uh, printed on tea towels. If we're going to have it anywhere, we should have it printed on bits of paper beside our mirror so that we can look into our face in the morning and then read, love is patient, love is kind, love does not envy. And ask ourselves, am I showing patience, kindness, and am I not, uh, am I avoiding envy? Better than that, we can read the words and we can have our thoughts lifted up to Jesus, because as we said earlier, these are words which describe the Lord. Uh, they bring Jesus to mind. And as we go through them, uh, it's going to be our, our practice to, to think about how it was that the Lord Jesus Christ exhibited all of these different facets of love. Let me tell you how uh, we're going to work through, God willing, these verses. Uh, we're going to cover them hopefully. That, that is the, um, the descriptions of 15 different attributes of, of love, uh, hopefully in three sermons. And we're going to take the predominant one, or what appears to be predominant, 
and group the others around it. And so this evening we're going to look at kindness and consider uh, patience and not envying in relation to kindness. And then we're going to look at uh, love is not self-seeking. And then finally we're going to look at love hopes all things and we'll be grouping the other uh, things around these uh, leading features of love. It's often pointed out that in our English translations, uh, when it said love is kind, the things that are said about love are adjectives. You know, this is true of love, it's kind. But actually, uh, in the original, uh, it's verbs that are used. And that's quite telling us that love is a doing word. It's love in action. This is love doing certain things. And not only that, but the verbs are in the, the present continuous tense. So these are things that love keeps on doing. Love keeps on being kind. You don't receive a spiritual gift of kindness, and then that's it all over. You are to keep on using kindness, keep on exhibiting kindness day after day. Uh, it's like using your, your muscles. You don't exert yourself. Uh, then your muscles uh, will waste away. And so it is with love. We have to be uh, exercising love. It is continual application of all of these things that's uh, considered here. Love is kind. means that love disposes us to do good towards others. But there are two thieves of kindness, two thieves of this disposition to do good for others. And the two thieves are on either side. Uh, a lack of patience and envy will rob us of the disposition to do good to others. If we don't have patience or if we have an envious spirit, will not show kindness. And so we're going to look at these two things, uh, which bookmark uh, love is kind. We'll look at, first of all, love is patient, and then love does not envy, and then we're going to spend most of our time thinking about the fact that love is kind. Love is patient. Love is patient. Sometimes patience is thought in relation to our circumstances. We're patient when we're queuing uh, for something. We're patient uh, when everything you know, goes pear-shaped around us. But what is in view here is patience with people. Patience with people. People who are obstructive or difficult to get on with. That is what uh, is in mind here. King James Version uh, translates the word long-suffering. Love suffers long. Uh, it's the quality of someone who is a long fuse, someone who doesn't show their anger at the slightest provocation. Patience. And patience is a quality that is linked with God's kindness in, in Romans chapter 2. Uh, or do you despise, show contempt for the riches of his kindness, forbearance and patience, not realizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance. So Paul's saying there that God is very patient with us. Uh, we provoke God continually because we continue to sin and 
uh, people uh, delay, they put off coming to, to believe in, in the Lord Jesus Christ. They live for themselves. And God doesn't strike them down. He doesn't judge them immediately. He's long-suffering. He is patient because he's giving space for forgiveness. He's giving space for repentance. God is patient. Uh, illustrated by a story about a, a, a leading skeptic. Uh, in the States in the 19th century, a man called Robert Ingersoll. And uh, he, he had a kind of stunt that he used to perform at the end of one of his kind of diatribes against Christianity. So he would spend an evening addressing a crowd and, and trying to, to disprove the, the uh, existence of God. And then after giving this speech on, on what he supposed was the folly of believing in God, uh, he pulled a watch out of his pocket and said, According to the Bible, God has struck down men for blasphemy. I will blaspheme God and give him five minutes to strike me dead and damn my soul. It's an awful thing uh, for anyone to say. And the crowd listened to this. Uh, the, the, the time go by. Two minutes passed. The crowd grew nervous. Three minutes passed. Uh, a woman fainted. Four minutes and Ingersoll began to, to sneer as he looked around. Five minutes, he snapped open his pocket watch, put it back in his pocket and said, as I said, there is no God or he would have taken me at my word. And on hearing of this particular incident, uh, a minister observed that uh, he must think that he could exhaust the divine patience in five minutes. It just showed how foolish uh, the man was. God is patient with his creatures. He's long-suffering. He's giving space to us for repentance. Patience is needed when we meet with people uh, who interfere with our plans. Patience is needed with people uh, whose behavior is difficult to cope with. So you need patience uh, if you're sharing a room with someone who is uh, very untidy, or perhaps on the other hand, excessively neat uh, can require equal amount of patience. You need patience if your wife is over free with her instructions when you're driving, or if your husband is continually late uh, for the meal. You need patience with someone uh, who keeps on asking the same question and doesn't seem to pay any attention when you explain. You need patience when the most difficult person uh, in the workplace is promoted over you and becomes your supervisor. You need patience with people for a whole host of reasons. And Jesus personified patience, the Lord Jesus. Though he rebuked the disciples for their lack of faith, he was never impatient with them. Uh, time and time again in the Gospels, uh, you see misguided uh, people or the crowds, uh, as it were, coming in the way, you know, crowding uh, the Lord out so that plans had to be uh, changed and so on. And Jesus is patient with the crowds. Uh, think of the time when Jairus uh, comes to Jesus and earnestly pleads with him to come and to heal his daughter who is sick at home and Jesus goes 
And they, they know that time is of the essence, that the doctor, the doctor is, is critically ill. And then on the way, there is a, a human interruption. Uh, the, the lady who has had the issue of blood for 12 years comes and she reaches out and she touches in faith the hem of Jesus' garment. And you can imagine the, the, the consternation of, of Jairus as uh, everything is brought to a halt because uh, Jesus uh, wants the woman to declare herself, uh, to be identified, uh, to allow her faith uh, to have words. And all the time the clock is ticking, time is passing, uh, there's inter interruption, and when they get to the home, uh, the girl has died. But as a result of, of, our, of God's providence and the, the patience of God, what Jairus has is not just a healing, but a, a, a raising from the dead, a greater miracle by far. And the woman, uh, whose, whose whole life has been one of patiently bearing with others, we're told that she has spent all that she had. She, she was bankrupted, uh, giving fees to doctors who were unable to help her. Uh, she has met with the, the great physician who can cure her. Everything is well. Jesus is patient. Think of the, the way that Jesus is patient as his mission rolls out. Uh, there is a divine necessity uh, that Jesus go to Jerusalem at the right time, not before. The crowds want to, to make him a, a kind of revolutionary king. And Jesus has come to be a Messiah who will lay down his life for the sins of the people. And Peter especially continually misunderstands the Lord Jesus and, and wants to accelerate his program. And the disciples are, are frustrated that Jesus isn't getting the recognition they think that he should have. And how patient the Lord is with their misunderstandings and how ready uh, the Lord Jesus is to wait until the divine time uh, is right uh, when his time to accomplish the exodus from Jerusalem is exactly right. And we are called to be like Jesus with those uh, who inconvenience us, who block us, who misunderstand us, who mistreat us. The fact that there are difficult people in your life doesn't mean that you're excused from showing them kindness. It means that you're obliged to show them patience. Love is patient. And without patience, we'll be uh, robbed of the kindness that we're supposed to show in love. So there's one robber, impatience. A lack of patience will, will be a robber of this love uh, that is kindness. Uh, but so also will envy. Love does not envy. And if we think of, of patience as a virtue that is revealed towards people who are behaving badly, or we think are behaving badly, on one side, then envy uh, is behaving behavior towards people who are better than I am, who have things that I would like to have but don't. Both the challenging behavior of others and the better fortunes of others can rob us of our desire to do good to them. Jonathan Edwards, uh, remember I said that he preached a, a series of sermons on this chapter and 
bound up together under the heading charity and its fruits. He said of envy that envy is a spirit of dissatisfaction with and opposition to the prosperity and happiness of others as compared with our own. So it's a dissatisfaction uh, with uh, our own position and an opposition to the fact that others are uh, well endowed with benefits, circumstances that are good. And so, in all walks of life, we envy those who seem to be getting on better than we are. Minister envies the other minister with the church of 1,000 or who's, who's asked to, to, to preach it at uh, big events. Uh, the student uh, is envious of the fact that uh, her rival has just beaten her to the top prize uh, in the year. Uh, it's envy that results in a man failing to be glad that his, his brother has obtained a promotion uh, and would actually be, uh, results in him uh, wanting rather to hear that the firm was folding. Envy is not just wanting what someone has, uh, it's a, a negative energy towards them because of their fortune. It's the desire to see our rivals lose what they have. Edwards again says, instead of rejoicing in the prosperity of others, the envious man will be troubled with it. It will be a grievance to his spirit to see them rise so high and come to such honours and advancements. It's a cartoon which uh, pictures two dogs around uh, a table uh, chatting to one another and one says to the other, it's not enough that the dogs have to be first also that the cats had to lose. That's envy. Not just that we want uh, what someone else has, but they are to lose what they have. It's a mean spirit, a most mean spirit. Probably the biblical example which uh, conveys the, the meanness on, of envy clearly, uh, I think, is the occasion when Solomon first shows the wisdom that God has granted to them. And remember, they're, they're, the, the, the situation is that there, there are two women uh, who gave birth to, to babies, and uh, in the night, they gave birth to babies at the same time, and in the night, uh, one of the babies dies. And they're both claiming that the child is their own. And the one who lost her child is claiming that the other one had uh, swapped uh, the, the dead baby for her own. And so they come to, to Solomon and ask Solomon to adjudicate. And Solomon's decision is that the, the living child be divided in two. And he commands a sword that the child should be cut in two and one half of the baby given to one mother and the other half given to the other. And of course one of the women is quite content that this should be done. Whilst the other one says, no, let her have it. Solomon recognises the spirit of envy in the woman uh, who is content uh, not to have a child so long as her rival doesn't have one either. Envy uh, is a most mean spirit which will rob us from the, of the desire to do good. But love is kind. Love is kind. Now, at first glance, that sounds like a, a pretty 
innocuous virtue. You know, kindness doesn't sound a very strong virtue. Uh, you're kind to your pets, but it doesn't seem a very elevated uh, virtue. It's almost a sentimental emotion. Not so. Kindness is a great biblical uh, expression. One of the characteristics of God uh, is his goodness, which the Bible unpacks as his, his uh, desire to do good or to show kindness to his creatures, to all creatures. How do you do good to others? How is the follower of Jesus to do good to others? First and foremost, our first call in showing kindness is to seek the good of people's eternal welfare, to seek their spiritual good. We are not being kind if we only feed the hungry, provide employment, provide comfort for the bereaved, be a friend to the lonely. If we withhold from them the good news that Jesus is the saviour of sinners. If we fail to point out to them the, the, the path of salvation. The greatest good that we can do for anyone is to introduce them to Jesus as Saviour. Everything, every other good that we do for people will perish, will be of no eternal value if, in the end, they are condemned and spend eternity in hell. And so the highest good, the best kindness that we can do is to share the gospel, to verbalize the gospel, to, to make plain what it means uh, to be a sinner, but to trust in Jesus. And more than that, to, to live out lives which show the gospel, which uh, demonstrate the gospel. The gospel, the good news, must be made visible by good lives. We must show ourselves what it is to live as Christians so that when we teach from the Bible, when we make, explain to people uh, why it is we believe in Jesus and why they need themselves to trust in him, they can look at our lives and they can see in us what it is to live as a Christian. We can show kindness to people who are backsliding by encouraging them to return to the Lord. We can invite people who've forgotten what it is to come to church, to come back to church on Back to Church Sunday, and we can pray for them when they do. We can do people kindness by seeking their spiritual, their eternal welfare. But of course, we also show kindness when we help others materially. Uh, we show kindness to people uh, who are in distress or want of different kinds. Uh, and remember that Jesus on the day of judgment will identify uh, people who believe in him as their saviour by the fact that uh, they showed kindness to the hungry, the thirsty, the stranger, the sick, the prisoner. And we come across people regularly uh, just uh, by living our lives or because we're located as a church uh, where we are. We come across people regularly uh, who are in need of different kinds. Uh, lots of people who are, are really lonely. Some of you saw the, the, the really sad uh, 
I don't know what it was, tweet or whatever, on the, the net marketplace about the, the girl uh, who was 24 and had no friends. It's a really sad uh, acknowledgement. There was the lady who came a year ago who uh, had uh, different needs and uh, was, I suppose, ultimately looking for, for work. And as she left the church, asked if we did anything for people who are lonely. Loneliness uh, is one of the great blights uh, in society today. It's a huge issue. And to be a friend to people in circumstances like that is hard because it always entails giving up time. It entails trying to get to know people with whom we may not have much in common. Uh, and kindness always entails a cost like that. When we, when we meet with somebody who is in need of any kind, we can, we can picture it, we can visualise it as them uh, carrying a burden. Imagine carrying a, a beam of wood. And when we come alongside them and show kindness, what we're doing in effect is we're sharing the burden. We're taking one end of the beam of wood. And something of the weight of the beam is transferred to us. We're sharing the burden. And so there's a cost in showing kindness. Jesus is kind. The Lord Jesus is kind. One of the most beautiful, there are so many beautiful descriptions of our Saviour in the Word. Uh, there's a lovely description, isn't there, when, when Peter is sharing the good news in Cornelius' home and, and he's giving this uh, summary of the Gospel, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. That's a beautiful description of our Saviour. Jesus went about doing good. He was always kind to people. And the, the picture is one of, of uh, restless activity. Uh, the picture is one of him being at the disposal of others, blessing people, uh, relieving them of the things that oppressed them. And as people came to Jesus and became like Jesus, that is how they were characterized also. And so uh, Luke tells us of one of the early Christians, and her name was Dorcas, and she lived in Joppa. And when he wants to describe what Dorcas was like, uh, he says, she was always doing good and helping the poor. She was kind. She was like Jesus, because Jesus went about doing good. Jesus is kind. Jesus is love in action. To whom do we show kindness? Well, uh, Jesus was asked that by someone who probably wanted to narrow down uh, the, the remit. And Jesus gave the, the parable of the Good Samaritan, and, and he purposefully widened the remit to include uh, people who are not of our tribe or persuasion, 
people who even we consider as enemies, as the Samaritans and the Jews were at enmity with one another. We're to show kindness to people, uh, whether or not uh, they're our friends, whether or not we think that they are worthy of kindness. The Victorians had uh, an idea of the, the worthy poor, you know, poor people who are virtuous and therefore worthy of being helped. God has no notion of the worthy poor. And the whole, the, the, the characteristic of God's kindness is that it is indiscriminate. It's prodigal. God makes his sun shine on the evil and the good and sends rain on the just and the unjust. And though we ought to show kindness to those who are Christians, we are also commanded to show kindness to all people. All people. And we have to show kindness to those who are thankful and to those who are unthankful. And the Lord, remember, he healed the ten lepers and nine of them scampered and one of them came back and said, thank you. And Jesus healed the crowds. And Jesus was condemned by that crowd who begged for his crucifixion. And from the cross, when Jesus uh, is gasping uh, for his latest breath, he is still showing acts of kindness. Uh, think of the Lord Jesus in his, in his dying hours. He is providing for his mother. A wonderful thought. He's keeping the commandments fully from the cross. He's providing for Mary. Uh, he's praying for the soldiers who are the instruments of his torture. And he's bringing peace uh, to the troubled soul of a penitent thief. The Lord Jesus showed kindness to the very last. In what way do we show kindness? Well, again, we're to love as Jesus loved, which means uh, we show kindness without uh, seeking gain. The command is do good to, your, uh, uh, to them without expecting anything back. So kindness is never to have strings attached. Uh, it's never uh, when, when we... Uh, when we throw a bank with Jesus said, don't just invite the people who are likely to return the favour. Invite those particularly who are not in a position to return the favour. A kindness is not to have strings attached. Kindness is to be generous. Again, loving as Jesus loved, because Jesus' love was abundant, was overflowing, was prodigal love. And Jesus commended those who showed generous love. Uh, we think again of the, the woman with the, the alabaster box of perfume and the, the wonderful self-forgetfulness in her love, uh, filling the room with the, the aroma of this, this fragrant anointment. And Jesus commends her for her generous love. Love is kind. And friends, as we close, remember this is a distinguishing grace. This is Edward's point. Love is what distinguishes, love as described here is what distinguishes the Christian. And you can only show this kindness if you have first received it, because we love because he, God, first loved us. And so, if you're listening and you're thinking, I need to show this love, but you've never actually trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ, then 
the word and God is not urging you to, to simply uh, seek to be more kind because if we seek to be more kind we end up simply uh, becoming a legalist and ticking off the boxes. To show kindness we must first receive it. To be loving we must first be loved. We must first receive the love of God in Christ Jesus. So the great need for all of us from the very youngest of us to the oldest of us here is to first receive the kindness of God in Jesus Christ and to know that he uh, has made us right with God by the gift that he has given us freely. To receive that gift with thanks and joy in our hearts is the first duty of anyone tonight who does not know Jesus as Saviour. And then, from that place of eternal love, to love as Jesus loves. Amen. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for the, the beauty of it. Thank you, Lord, for, for the very words uh, that express your revelation, how, how precious they are to us. Thank you for Jesus, who has come to show us love, uh, who has embodied love, who has laid down his life in love and who reaches out to us uh, today in love. Bless the gospel uh, to all who hear it tonight, Lord. He was good. Pardon our sins. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.